Broadcasting Network. Hi, pop fans. This is Jim starting the music part of the program off. And we continue in our jazz vein. Um, I want to introduce um, um, Jay Lerner and Frederick Lowe. They're wonderful Broadway writers. Um, and they've added some uh, nice um, literature to jazz. Jazz liked it. Um, I'm going to do something from one of their shows. I, I, I rarely do a ballad, but this is such a beautiful ballad that um, I really love to play it for you. It's called If Ever I Would Leave You. So that'll be the first one. And the second will be a Dizzy Gillespie. We'll be back to more of a jazz upbeat. Uh, Night in Tunisia. Uh, so, but let's start with the beautiful ballad, If Ever I Would Leave You. One, two, three, four. To Life Lessons with Jim Carolla and Ray Oldhofer. Thank you. 
Okay, welcome podcasters. Um, thanking people are sending some emails in. Uh, Terry Johnson, Michael Jones, Greg Woods, and Ivy Schreibner. Uh, very nice. And also, um, also one letter um, from Paul Leslie, who has a radio show in Atlanta. Um, he's he likes the show also, as the rest of you have said, and really glad to hear a couple of you said it feels like it's a, had a little impact on your life, but you're really um, glad to hear that. Anyway, this fellow likes it too. He has his own show. He says something similar in Georgia, and he likes jazz music, and he said, through the years I have opportunity of interviewing some amazing people like Walter Cronkite, Jimmy Webb, Woody Allen, Maya Angelou. Maya Jim Angelou. Angelou. Jeff Bridges. Um, Adam. Harry Belafonte. Gene Walder. Anyway, that's quite a group. He's interviewed Adam. And he's asked, uh, he asked to interview me now. So um, we'll set that up. Um, so it's very nice to hear, coming from different levels um, of um, people. And yes, I will do that interview we need to set that up. But for the rest of you that are listening, uh, let's hear from you. Let's hear what you're thinking of this, particularly this series on willpower. So we'll kind of continue. We'll first try to check ourselves as we do to see what our presence um, in the room is like. Are we really here? Are we um, focused on what's coming we are feeling our body and our post posture and and connect with our breath. And there, one person that's been doing um, called in. I forget which one it was. Was doing the um, not yoga, but um, what was it? I think doing? it was Craig. Oh, he man. was doing the seat. He was um, sitting. Craig, yeah, sitting. I oh. believe I might be wrong. Okay person that's become a sitter so has been sitting ever since. It was actually Michael Jones who's okay. been practicing the meditation. Right. Michael Jones. Um, so, good, Michael. I'm glad you're, you're, you are, and I, I hope that it uh, goes well for you. Okay, so we'll, we're going to continue on willpower for a while longer, but I'm going to be adding things soon. But I first want to get this part one down about the muscle of willpower. So, um, let me first define it again for those new or those who are not sure what I mean yet. Um, I'm defining willpower as a constructive force, guiding our impulses and emotions, imagination, toward a realization of possibly a higher part of ourselves. So this will be a tool, a guide. So we have a force, We'll have a guide um, and for the realization of something higher. Um, this force will meet the momentum of personality, and that's where we'll get a lot of resistance. Personality has a tremendous momentum. It's not going to allow this to go through so easy at all. That's why in all the traditions, the Bhagavad Gita and um, those kinds of traditions speak about a war. The whole analogy about higher consciousness is a war because when we begin to 
for this higher consciousness, we're going to run into this tremendous momentum of personality. So we're going to have to be geared for it. And also the, the uh, unconscious, uh, um, collective unconscious of all humans on this earth that have ever tried to, to do anything with their life and um, all, all the habits that are in the personality are going to come full forward and, and, um, and uh, block it, sort of. Uh, you know, in, in traditions of, of the Greeks and um, the Hebrew traditions and even the Christian tradition, they talk about the devil. But we're, we're going to use devil as any force that comes along. We're not going to use it so much as a spirit, but any, uh, those who want to certainly can. But anything that blocks our path, that's what I'm going to call the devil. Um, something blocks our path, that's our devil at that time. And um, in the Buddhist tradition, there's Myra, M-A-R-A. It's like a female, and she t- she's a temperist. And um, uh, Buddha speaks a lot of her, her coming in and tempting him uh, into all kinds of impurities. Um, um, but they all speak of it in that way. The temptation of Christ, um, uh, the Hebrew has a version of it, something that blocks our way from going higher. We'll, we'll use it that way. Okay, so, so much um, for that. Common girl, uh, Central American name, too. Mara. Myra. M-A-R-A. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's the same spelling. Um, no, it would be, um, no, the other Myra is different. M-I-R-A. Um, I think that's Mira. That's Mira. Wouldn't it be M-Y-R-A? Myra? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's Myra. What did you just say? M-A-R-A. M-A-R-A. Oh, M-A-R-A, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's from uh, another language. Um so, um, I just thought it might be connected to all Central American girls named Myra. I'm pretty sure. Right. Sorry. Um, okay, so we're, we're going for that kind of buried um, essence inside us that got lost a long time ago. And we're going to use this tool, this muscle called will. But we're also not going to get into a will trap as though there's nothing else but will. Um, now there's, there's uh, other tools to use, but we're going to start with this one. So I've, I've been proposing a set of exercises for the podcast audience so they can practice at home um, for the willpower muscle. Um, so I hope some of you have been doing that. And let us know, because you're, you're going to be running into this uh, resistance, are we calling it, the, the devil this blockage along the way of um, the momentum of personality. So let us know how you're doing with it when, when it comes, um, when it starts to come up for us. Now, I, I was using the, um, you were speaking last week of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, concise speech. And, um, and I was looking at how I speak with people for the most part. And, I'm a jumble mouth a lot of the time. Yeah. 
you know, and to really see that and to be clear, I'll speak to my guys occasionally with a Latin accent like they fucking care. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then I notice when you speak, it depends on the caliber of person you're speaking with that you will be like with. Uh, I have some older customers and they're retired attorneys and such. So you have to be more present. And I realize that I'll waver with whoever I might be around. I'll acclimate. And that says something about my being. Mm. You know, that what am I doing with that? Yeah, that's. I think most of us um, get into that frame. Um, and it was called impeccable uh, language. It, see, what, what the emphasis that is that an awareness comes over us and we'll realize we're speaking to someone and um, we're trying to um, hear ourselves and see what words we use. Um, and I'm going to get into that in, in, in a moment. Um, but that, that's a, it's a way to step back. Anything that gets away from that momentum of habits and tendencies and gives us a chance to step back and listen to ourselves and listen to the other person. By the way, your um, grandson, I was out to dinner with um, your granddaughter and grandson, <clears throat> Sonny and Italia, and Sonny called me, uh, excuse me, Sonny called me dude <laughs> more than one time. Uh, Uncle Ray, dude. Uh-huh. And then he gets into it and he looks at you yeah. and he, he gazes at you and he goes, hey, dude. Uh-huh. And it was the cutest thing I've ever, I've ever heard. Right, they're getting indoctrinated with the new lingo. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, I'm going to... Next week, he's going to call me jerk off or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now I'll continue with Will. Now, Will, as it relates to um, streams of thought, now this is a, a very important area to begin to look at. <clears throat> the streams of thought. Um, uh our usual thought processes we cannot have any, hardly any control over. It's like waves in the ocean. They just keep coming, keep coming. We have no control. We can't stop them. It takes a very advanced work um, in the traditions of, uh, of, uh, of Buddhism and, and uh, Zen and so on. There are people that have reached higher um, where they actually have a little more mind control. But as a rule, these are waves just coming in. So um, our intellect, so here's a, this is, I'm going to call, our intellect, let me, let me say what I think our, my intellect is. Our intellect is our capacity to perceive, to understand, to make decisions and reason. Um, and, and that's what I'm hoping that something could step back a little bit. Um, because the mind left to its own stuff will just keep, just keep going with, with no control over it at all. Um, now, because we think it, it doesn't mean it's true. Because a lot of our thoughts are connected to distorted emotions, corrupt impulses, inaccurate information, 
And in other words, we don't have to um, uh, listen to thought like it was the only truth there is. Well, you you can definitely make it that, though. Yeah, right. I mean, that's on a loop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to be able to have some discernment, and I'm going to try to say how to do that in a moment. Um, you know, all kinds of thought, but these thoughts are waves. The waves coming in, wave after wave after wave, and we can't stop them. But like a surfer, we got to be able to lay on a kind of something a little on the side of it that can pick the wave coming in, but will best reach our goal. But that's going to take uh, wading through quite a bit of material. Um, you can think of that. You can think of a, some of you people may surf. Uh, are surfers. And know when you get the right wave or know how to say something in the right way, um, the help it is. So lo- thoughts can lie. That's the theme. Thoughts can lie. Just because they have a thought, whether it's true or not, is another story. So when we really get in to know that, we begin to look at our thinking a little more. Now I want to tell you about a particular study. I don't know where this fellow is from, Stanford. He's a neurologist anyway. And he has a kind of therapy called um, automatic negative thoughts. A-N-T. Now, you notice as you're thinking sometimes, these thoughts just come to you. Automatic negative thoughts. What are you fucking talking about? Mm, Right. We all know that one. Jesus. Comes right in before we even know it. It's right there. It's like coming right off our tongue. We're just, it's just so, it's just so, we're just before we could even think. If you drive in Los Angeles, you know it, for sure. You know it. Yeah. So we're going to look for this A-N-T, he calls it, automatic negative thinking. So podcasters, think about that one um, before we... Or ant. Or ant. I I definitely had some of that going on a little bit recently. I was uh, flying back from New York. And uh, I, was, I was telling Ray about this earlier, and I was, I was fairly, fairly sick under the weather. And I got onto the plane, and as I was walking to my seat, I saw that in the row ahead of me was a mother, a father, and a child who was about four. And the kid was sitting there perfectly silent, totally well-behaved, and I immediately got pissed because I could just, in my mind, I had just already done the math that this wasn't going to go well for me. And the kid never made a peep the whole, mm-hmm. the whole ride, but I sat there pretty upset about it for the first 30 minutes I was on the plane. Just yeah. automatically negative. It's funny that you were talking about earlier how you missed your connecting flight and you thought that the stewardess was mocking you. And I was thinking about that, actually, and I was going, well, she might have just been, you know, if you were in a different state, you would have thought, all right, she's just being helpful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when I look back on it, I think she was just being good-natured. Yeah, I mean, I being said, nice You know, I said, what, what gate do I need to go to to get to Los Angeles? And she kind of just went, oh, you're not making that flight. And if I hadn't been sick, I probably would have been like, oh, okay, at least she's good-humored about it. She's trying to make me laugh. But, you know, just in that state of being sick and wanting to get home, I, I was just not appreciative of that. Uh, you anted her. Yeah, I did. I anted her, that's for sure. Okay, now that, the, the, the example by Gary is like all of us. Nobody escapes that. 
This is a perfect example about something I'm going to run through right now. So I, we're going to understand about the streaming mind. So let's let's. Begin hey, before you the, get in the streaming mind, yeah. Jim, I think what people should stream on over to Amazon and help us out, right? Right, right. Hey, you guys, this is Ray with Life Lessons with Jim Carolla. And this is a plea because business is business and our business isn't doing so well. So please help us out. You got that? And I'm not kidding. Help us out. So go to Life Lessons website and click through the Amazon banner and help us. Come on. Now that's a plea and it's a good one. Do so. Thanks. Okay, so we're going to walk through some material that maybe going to help us um, with this. First, an uh, important thing to understand is our body reacts to every thought we have. Let me just stop right there. When Gary was going through what he was just saying um, and thinking, it had a thought that was in his entire being. Now, we forget about that, even if we don't say it. Just thinking it um, affects us. So thought affects our whole being, our whole ecosystem in our, in our bodies. Our, um, our uh, hand temperature, heart rate, blood pressure, breathing rate, muscle tension, all of that, sweating hands. Uh, you know, like a lie detector test, you know, we hear all the time. Um, uh, the changes in the body of the person taking these uh, kinds of tests, even though the person may not say anything, um, his body's saying all kinds of things. So, um, so the body reacts to what he thinks, no matter what he says. The body's reacting, as long as you're thinking it. The hands become warmer. Now, now also, it works the opposite. If the thoughts are positive, think about when something happens and you kind of are feeling good. What a difference that is, is when you're just angry or negative. Your body's totally different. You feel totally different. So well, the, one's one's like closed off the the ant or the automatic negative response. Immediately you feel con- contracted. You know you yeah. feel frozen mm-hmm. essentially. And then when you describe like being light in your step and happy, you're you're immediately open. Yes. Yeah, but but Ray was just saying your your hands. Now, if you took that test then, your hands would be warmer. Your heart flow would be more normal. Blood pressure would be more normal. Breathing becomes slower and deeper. For the thing that Bray was just describing, um, muscles become relaxed. Um, look at the difference in the opposite. So podcasters to know the tremendous power in negative thinking. It affects the whole body. It can make your mind, your body feel good or or not good. And every cell in your body is also affected. That's funny. I was just thinking of how um, you can talk yourself into being sick. Mm. You know, we've all done it, especially as children. You know, like, oh, mom, I don't feel good. Mm. I think I have a fever. Ah. Or, you know, I'm sweating. You know, I mean, we've all done it. We've yes. all done it at mm-hmm. uh, many different levels. Mm-hmm. And even if we began to fake it, 
it starts to come true just by acting out and saying all the things and say trying to get out of going to school or Oh, yeah. And my brothers things. and I, we lied. And they, we'd call each other out. And then, you know, mom would take your temperature. And sure enough. Uh-huh. But if you rub it hard enough, it'll get to like 108. Wait a minute. You should be dead. Oh, no, no. I feel okay. But we've all done that. Okay. So but let me. That was your thing as a kid, right? Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. that was your whole identity. Right. How to get out of things and fake things and get sick and so on. Yeah. That's why I'm. I'm, I'm I'm good at understanding some of it because of that. Okay, let me run a list down for you. And, and you, you think of where you might fit into this. The first one I'm calling always thinking. Um, overgeneralizing a situation usually starts with thoughts like always, never, everyone, every time. Now think of that. Um, always. You always do that. You never are late. You always have that, right? We know that one, always. It's a generalization. Or you never, you never look at me when you come to this room. You never, you never. Everyone does it. So I can do it because everyone does it. Look at that generalization. Everyone does it. Every time. This happens every time. The only time this every time well, that's not true. So, language. My hands are sweating. <laughs> Damn it. Wow. Uh, we all do that. Wow, don't we? we all do it. Oh. Second one fo- focusing on the negative. Well, we're pros at this. Preoccupying yourself with what's going wrong in a situation and ignoring everything that could be construed as positive. How about that one? Once we get into that negative thing, it's all, it's all that then. Um, that the, now, and this happens with couples a lot and marriages. and that Because um, the first the, one never happens with right. couples. <laughs> and that never happens. Yeah. Well, they could be enjoying something or something. And something will come up and it may even be small. Um, and... Um, uh, and that neg- little negative things could ruin a whole day or sometimes hours of uh, discussions and all things. In other words, it takes very little uh, to set that off, and then that makes it everything, uh, not nothing. An example for that, myself, um, my, my wife and I, uh, we go to an early mass on uh, each morning. Anyway, it's been hard lately because it's so dark and so cold. It's a very early time. And being a little late and rushing and so on, uh, <clears throat> got to the church parking lot and found the first uh, uh, space I could find. And my wife said, well, you're in something called the priest uh, space. I said, well, you know, there's thousands of spaces. We're late. Let's go. She said, I think we ought to back out because she shouldn't be in there. Um, so I said, no, no, because I, I know I, I'd rather be trying to be on time. And there's many, many spaces. Um, but when she said that, that hit something in me. Uh, I didn't like that she said it. I didn't like that she thought it was important when I thought it wasn't important. Now, when we both got into the Mass, I held on to that feeling 
for the entire Mass. I couldn't shake it. It was a negative feeling. I wasn't present as much, and I kept it negative. When we finished, she really didn't think anything of it, so she came out positive and saying, boy, that was good. Did you hear what they said? And I was like holding it inside and until I told her what I was going through. Well, do you have experiences like that? Something goes wrong, even if it's small, you kind of hang on to it. This I call fortune-telling. Boy, are we good at this one. This is number three? Yeah, number three. Predicting the future in a negative way. Look at that one. Next time we do this, it'll be the same thing. You always will do that again. Because that's why we can't go there. Because when, when, in the, um, when we go there, you'll be able to do that. You'll talk. In other words, you're predicting the future, even though the dynamics could be very different, particularly talking about negativity. I can, it's like when Gary was going down, he was heading for that seat, and he saw that kid, that, that feeling he had, this is going, I'm going to try to get some rest. That kid might cry. And I'm going to be stuck with that kid. I'm not feeling well. That. Mind reading, number four. Arbitrarily believing you know what another person's thinking. <laughs> Even if they haven't given you one verbal but it's always a negative mind read, right? It's right. never like, yeah. you are the greatest. <laughs> it's never one of those, no. right? Nah. We're talking about, remember the A-N-T, remember those three letters, automatic, negative thinking. Wow. Now, here's another one. Wait, one give an five. example of mind reading, please, because I like when you to make it to a little story. Well, just that you're, you're, predict, you're just predicting the future. I knew you were so, going to wear that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I like when people, where'd you get that? Yeah, I knew you were going to wear that shirt and I hate it. Right. That kind of thing. Or when we go back to the parking lot, the parking lot, you're going to be scrutinizing what, if I get anywhere near that, that priest parking lot. So, no, I don't care. You know, but no, but I had to say it that way. You're going to park there again, honey? Gonna, <laughs> oh, no. Right. Okay. Um, mind being enough. Now, thinking with your Isn't feelings. this all the stuff that comedy's based on, Jim? <laughs> um, uh, a lot of it, yeah. Oh, man. Um, um, thinking with your feelings. This number Number five. five. Believe your negative feelings without ever questioning them. Just that you feel them, and that's what you believe, and that's the position you're going to take, and you're going you're gonna to justify that position. When feeling begins, the feelings are very quick and strong, and when they get in, they could take over, and we lose, could lose all reason. That's a that's a big, um, that's a huge couples one. Oh, where you have to stand pat on your whatever it might be, and you're not open at all. Absolutely. It's like you're going to have that gesture or that, that feeling, and that feeling comes with a gesture right behind it, like with your arms crossed oh, and the whole, the whole thing and the shake and the finger or whatever it might fucking be. Right. 
Good point. Ray's really adding another dimension about the gestural part of it. In other words, the part where we make a look on our face, some kind of reaction in our body, we usually contract, we have like a, an indignant look if that's the area it's in. Uh, yeah, that's a very important... And we speak from that, the way that face looks and accuse the other person. And then it's, it's hard to um, shake those too. Very Once they get started... When I told you in that parking lot, you know, it started, and once it got started, it took me a while to reach another place. Yeah. When you when you left and you and you t- told Lynn what, what was going on with you and what happened with you, um, was there kind of a was there a relief after that? Oh yeah. There's did you get the information that. though that that was available at the mass? I mean, did you get it at one level and then it could get deeper as soon as you let go of? What you had been holding on well, to? Well, I, I know of that. But see, the point that you made, but that, um, it's like a, a shroud comes over your, when the emotions come in, it's like they, 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 they take you over. Yeah, um, and then nothing can penetrate. Nothing yeah. can, yeah, you can't find relief. Right. So, of course, I'm used to this, and I'm, you know, 80 and I used to be working on it. I knew that I had to talk to her about it. And, um, and, and get a resolution with it. And, and she wasn't feeling that way at all. That's um, amazing. Yeah. it's, it's Like that, she would never even put that together. No, you mean she, she would, couldn't tell by your look? <laughs> Referencing was, number being, four? Right. I was being quiet. Uh-huh. Um, okay, we're up to number six. Guilt beating. Thinking, uh, thinking with words like, you should do that. Uh, you must, you ought, or you ought to have that. Produce feelings of guilt in the other person because you're telling them they must have it. Uh, and that might not be the case. That's what you feel about it. Um, but so there's a way we make people guilty. And I would call that guilt beating. Number seven, labeling. Here, this is another one we're really good at. Attaching a negative label to yourself. You can do it that way or others. You just put a label on it. And you're going to have to outlast that label. So we're great labelers. You know, my, my guys are from Mexico and um, they don't speak English well. But one of them, Francisco, would go to me. He would say to me, he would go, you know, I am wet back. And I go, what did you say? And he goes, I'm a wet back. And I was like, oh, my God. Like broke my heart mm. that he would reference himself. Yeah. He goes, you know, I'm from Mexico. I came over here via whatever trail he, he had. But it's, it's a way of, of yeah. labeling. It's, it was so tragic to hear him say that. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I called myself. <clears throat> dummy from years and you know not any name something and you get tacked with that label just like that wetback did and me calling myself dummy and so on and me you know madman or mm. you know crazy yeah or crazy you know. yeah so labeling's a big deal because sometimes if it gets too strong we can't undo that labeling it gets so entrenched in our personality it becomes part of that momentum Here's, a, here's a, one of my favorites, number eight. Personalizing. 
allowing innocuous events to take on personal meaning. Now, everything, everything gets so personal, what people are saying, and um, we, we, we really begin to always put it to ourselves all times. So that's a strong one, taking things personally, and some that are not even meaning, personalization of everything. Um, we think that um, there's nobody more uh, they're talk, than us. They're talking about me again. Uh-huh. Yep, you see over at that table? That's it. They're checking me out. Yep. I know they're talking shit. <laughs> you can just feel it, can't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> People do yeah, that all the that's time. That's it. They're personalizing everything. You see that bitch just looked at me, gave me that look? Oh, my God, really? That, I didn't even notice yeah. you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even, didn't even make eye contact. Right. So there's personalization of anything. Or they got it out for you. A lot of people think people have it out for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, and this one, let me ask. Not on my list, but let me just add it. This is one I'm calling justification. There's a part of us, of our mind, that conjures justification for actions taken or not taken. It constantly shifts responsibility, explaining away difficulties, attitudes, difficult attitudes. And um, oh, no, let me just say, now, if you really b- begin to think, um, analyze your thinking, you'll hear there's tremendous amount of justifying going on. I did that because blah, 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 blah. I did that because she asked for it. I, I did that because I didn't know what was going on. Or, um, uh, or for what I didn't do. Justifying why I didn't do something. Justifying is a powerful dynamic in us. We're doing it almost all the time. Yeah, I've, I've done that. We all have. <clears throat> okay, so let's see what, what, what we're doing Wait, here. You got, how many numbers do you have there, Jim? Oh, I'm through with the numbers. You went to number nine? The blaming. Yeah. Um, and then I added justification. Well, you said per- personalizing. Oh, and then the blaming is part of the justification. Uh, um, no, bl- bl- um, let's see, what do I have here? Blaming's number nine. Okay. Well, you can make ten. I mean, I just didn't have that on the list, but I, I thought that. Those talks to ourselves, have a lot to do with justifying, both internally, and to the world, always, justifying ourselves. See if that works for you. Okay, so I'm looking at to see the clock kind of running out on us. Um, so we Jim, can, this you got to do a, a part one. This needs a part two. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll definitely do a part two on this. Continue on this. I don't have the material. I haven't. I thought it, thought it out up till now. Okay. Um. Number four, make the quarter note feel good. One, two, a one, two, three. Okay, here's our theme. We're going to be going off the orange. I realize there's an exercise I wanted to give, but let me do it while the. Each day, for the next seven days, pick 
pick something you want to do. Anything. But that you can do it only for seven days. We're going to do it in chunks for seven days. Could be something in eating. Um, I want to chew my, all my food and swallow before I take my next bite. Could be something in exercising. Um, I'm going to walk a little further. That's where you add some piece to something, to something you're doing. And when you do it, you say um, to yourself, I will do this. Anything you're doing, almost all our physical, we're also always in some kind of physical movement all the time. Uh, we're always performing um, with uh, energy. I will do this. So you begin to use that as a term. I will, I'm, I'm getting up to get a drink of water. I will do this. So folks, uh, remember to continue on whatever you're doing, particularly domestic things, washing the dishes, anything around the house, washing clothes or anything. I will do this. You give your word to yourself. You're giving yourself the word. I will do this. And then you have to, you have to uh, then uh, carry it out. With the remember the exclusive aim while we're doing this is the training of the will, the exercises and training on the will. Now, the other thing is, remember, you also, it's the manner in which you do it. And I think I said that last week, but it's not only doing the task, it's the manner in which you do it. If you have a lot of negativity or grumbling about it, then you're, you're, you're not fulfilling it. No ant. No ants. <laughs> Ray lets us know. And Ray, how are you? You're still, what's happening with the... Smoking? I'm good. Good. How many days? Uh, oh, wow. So, by the way, happy birthday to my little brother. Okay. Um, hundred and a long time. Okay. I'll, I'll figure it out until next week. <laughs> Over a hundred days in his... Four months. Wait a minute, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four yeah. months. It's four months and two days. Wow. Okay. Okay, podcasters. Um, we're going to be signing off now. I'm going to pick this up where I left off a part two of the same thing about this ANT. I was uh, a neurologist's idea that I think is kind of interesting for uh, the training of the will. Remember, but the will training is only one part. We're not going to get trapped in it. We're going to move to something adding to it. Okay, see you next week. One, two, three, four, one. Reach the show on Twitter at LLWJC or email us at jimcarolla at adamcarolla.com.
Ace Broadcasting Network. 